0: Today, it's important that we talk about forgiveness, because without it, we have no future. I have been overwhelmed by the depth and depravity and evil that has been exposed this past week of the 215 children buried at the former Kamloops residential school. I'm devastated at hearing about children taken from their families, of children made to suffer, raped and murdered and often dying without their families ever knowing their fate, of children running away from these residential schools and then just allowed to wander in the cold, uh, children dying frozen just miles from their family homes. you know. And as we hold all this, today we heard Jesus say in our gospel reading, Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. You know, our attention is often so caught up by this mysterious unforgivable sin that we miss the fact that Jesus says that people can be forgiven all their sins. And if you've been in church long enough, this easily becomes a background noise, the forgiveness of sins but it's actually very radical. Jesus is saying that all sins can be forgiven. So I I, I want you to think about it. The sins perpetrated by one of the most advanced militaries in the world against Palestinian families uh, forced from their homes because it's been decided they just don't belong. The sins perpetrated against these 215 children, because it was decided that they, their families, their culture, just don't belong. And the sins perpetrated against each of us. Because each of us has our own story of hurt, of suffering, a story that we might share with one or two closest to us, but too often, actually, we just take silently to our grave. It's easy to feel that whatever Jesus may have meant about this unforgivable sin, we can easily make a list of sins that should remain unforgivable. And you know what? Culturally, more and more, we resent even the hint that forgiveness has a place as we seek justice for people made to suffer by those in power. You know, after nine African Americans were killed in Charleston, South Carolina, relatives of those murdered publicly declared forgiveness for the shooter. And in response to this public forgiveness, a Washington Post opinion piece was written by Dr. Stacy Patton, and it was titled, Black America Should Stop Forgiving White Racists. And she writes, and I quote, the parade of forgiveness is disconcerting to say the least. To her, expecting and even admiring the forgiveness of black Americans, and I quote, is about protecting whiteness in America as a whole. When black forgiveness is the means for white atonement, it enables white denial about the harms that racist violence creates. So to Dr. Patton, forgiveness is problematic and easily leads to further injustice. You know, her writing reveals the cultural moment we're in as we grapple with our problematic history. You know, as our minds and our hearts process international examples of injustice in the Middle East and a horrifying injustice here at home, and as we parse out our own suffering and injustices in our own lives, we need to recognize that we do so within a cultural context that more and more refuses forgiveness as a viable response. You know, in the in the wake of the Me Too movement, Danielle Barron, who is a journalist focused on covering the Jewish community, she wrote an article titled, Should We Forgive the Men Who Assaulted Us? And she, she wrote this article for the New York Times. And she writes that although she was not ready to forgive her assailant, she held out uh, the possibility that if he truly repented and partnered his repentance by restitution made publicly as well as privately, she might be moved to forgiveness. Now, as she wrote this, a lot of people were not feeling that. In fact, one responder uh, encapsulates our cultural moment so well And this is what the responder writes, and I quote, the notion that the victims of crime and oppression of sexual assault must forgive their oppressors piles more oppression and harshness on the victim. Insisting that she forgive plays into the sickness of patriarchal, misogynistic, male supremacist religions that blame women. Forgiveness is overrated. It heals neither the body or mind. Let the criminal ask his gods, if there be any, for forgiveness. Instead of talking about whether victims must forgive, we should be talking about tattooing the words rapist or sexual predator on the foreheads of the criminals. This would actually help make women and children safer. Why are we so anti-forgiveness? Well, Dr. Keller in a recent article on this very question gives the insight that we have developed a shame and honor culture of victimhood. And our culture has regressed to a shame and honor culture, otherwise known as a cancel culture. And in this cultural moment, we're taught to see ourselves as individuals needing protection from societal structures with power who oppress us. And what he means is, moral virtue is assigned to people, not on the basis of the content of their character, only insofar as you're perceived to be oppressed by those in power. Now, in this new cultural hierarchy, uh, people are placed on top. The ones on top are those who are perceived as the most oppressed. And second in line are those who vocally defend the oppressed. Now, this defense is usually evidenced by launching online vitriol at the presumed oppressors and rushing to defend the putative victims. In other words, virtue signaling. And he points out that in this new culture, uh, honor and moral virtue is gained by, for example, people and companies who rush to defend those who the culture decides are now an oppressed community. Now, what is evident is that there is no room for forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is seen now as radically unjust and impractical, as silencing the ability of victims to gain honor and virtue as others rise to defend them. And yet, and yet every Sunday, together we say the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And we pray the Lord's Prayer and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And we pray this because we know that when Jesus commanded us to forgive in order to be forgiven, He wasn't giving us an idle suggestion. The importance of forgiveness was shown by Jesus at the center of human history when he asked his Father to forgive those crucifying him. As C.S. Lewis puts it, no part of his teaching is clear and there are no exceptions to it. He doesn't say that we are to forgive other people's sins provided uh, they are not too frightful or provided there are extenuating circumstances or anything of that sort, we are to forgive them all, however spiteful, however mean, however often they are repeated. If we don't, we shall be forgiven none of our own. Forgiveness is hard. I know this personally, and I bet you do too. And although most of us didn't suffer war in the Middle East or residential school system, we fear a deep incompatibility with even suggesting that forgiveness play any part of this. There is a fear of sidestepping justice by rushing too fast to forgiveness and reconciliation. And you know what? I get that. That's legitimate. But for the sake of justice, we can't ignore forgiveness wholesale without recognizing what it means to us who follow Jesus. To us, that's who I'm talking to right now. Listen, I know that in a real way, I am in no position to tell any survivor the details of how forgiveness plays itself out as we wrestle with our actual Canadian history that's been ignored for far too long. This message is not for indigenous communities, but for those of us who are wrestling with our complicity in creating this lasting harm. You know what? Indigenous communities have their own faithful voices that we must attend to and learn from. But, church, hear me. We can't look at the cross of Jesus Christ and ignore the fact that the most innocent person in all history, Jesus, Died forgiving his murderers. And this same innocent says to us, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. You know, years ago I remember reading a short letter by Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And this past week I returned to his writings for help. And in this letter, He shared about his experiences in the amnesty process of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission appointed to deal with the gross human rights violations that happened in apartheid South Africa. And he shares this story, this true story of white South African uh, police officers taking a black man in their custody, shooting him behind the ear and then setting him on fire. And while this was taking place, they were having a barbecue. They were throwing a party. And there were other horrifying truth stories. And Desmond Tutu in this letter is wrestling with the question of forgiveness. And he notes that countless black South Africans who experienced intense and horrifying injustice, nevertheless, they came forward and forgave those who hurt them. And he says, and I quote, Many claim to be Christians. They say they follow the Jewish rabbi who, when he was crucified, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This magnanimity, this nobility of spirit is quite breathtakingly unbelievable. I have often felt, I should say, Let us take off our shoes, because at this moment, we are standing on holy ground. Our only hope is forgiveness. As Desmond Tutu points out, forgiveness is a liberating action. And he says that, and I quote, When we forgive the people who have harmed us, we liberate ourselves from the chains that bind us to our offender. We don't hold their offenses against them, and they exert no control over our moods, our dispositions, or us. They have no further part in writing the story that we must tell ourselves. Forgiveness liberates us. We are free. Now, how is it that to Dr. Patton and the responders to Danielle Barron's article, forgiveness is seen as unjust and impractical, and yet to Desmond Tutu, it's a uh, liberating action and full of freedom. How does that work? I mean, which side is right? Well, both. And here's what I mean. In our modern society, forgiveness is often understood like this. Someone says, well, I'm sorry, and then the other person says, no worries, it's okay. And, and spending time carefully thinking this through, I realize something. This view of forgiveness, you know, I'm sorry, no, it's okay, which is actually very common, relies on the idea that we're all basically good people. And here's a problem. If we hold to the idea that we're basically good people, We think we're asking for forgiveness, but we're actually doing something quite different. We're asking to be excused. And that's a completely different thing. As C.S. Lewis points out, Forgiveness says, Yes, you have done this thing, but I accept your apology. I will never hold it against you, and everything between us two will be exactly as it was before. But excusing says, I see that you couldn't help it or didn't mean it. You weren't really to blame. And his point is that if you're not to blame, then there's nothing to forgive. So excusing and forgiveness are opposites. But our modern culture is obsessed with giving blanket validations, insisting that no one is really wrong. All perspectives are okay. You know, live into your own truth. You're basically good people. And that sounds great until we face real suffering. Because you see, this perspective can't sustain forgiveness and insists on excusing in its place. And here's why this is deeply problematic. On this view, you will have serious blind spots. When when you do wrong, You'll be blind to your need to repent in order to be forgiven. And instead, you'll tacitly or explicitly insist on being excused because, oh, you know, I didn't mean it. I couldn't help it. I'm not really to blame. I'm basically a good person. You know, as Bishop Sid Black points out, there are folks who still deny the horrors of the residential school system that even took place. This is born from an inability to admit who we really are and instead seek to excuse ourselves at every turn. And so modern culture is right to reject forgiveness on these terms because this view definitely allows people to insist on being forgiven without actually being held accountable because they're basically good people. And yet, again, we're seeing how patently false this is The 215 children are witnesses to the fact that we're not basically good people. Of of all the niceties of the overly comfortable Western mind, this myth is the most egregious. What we heard in Genesis, in today's reading, is gospel truth, that our actions against indigenous communities are a link in the chain of human suffering that goes back to the Garden of Eden when we, in Adam and Eve, curse the world with our sin. That's why our world struggles with conflict. There are, there are nations at war. We visit genocide on those who should have been our family. I mean, even in our personal relationships, it's hard work to keep the peace, and so easily for families to fall apart. This is why Jesus died on the cross for us. To heal what we broke and couldn't put back together. But if you insist that we're all basically good people, you cannot make sense of the cross. It will be a stumbling block for you. And you'll miss out on the power of God to heal the world. You'll insist that, Indigenous communities simply forgive you and move on without the biblical understanding that for real forgiveness to begin to take place, you have to actually repent. You know, at best, our secular culture is able to recognize that evil is going on, but it can only deploy retributive justice as a solution to our problems. Politics of power, cancel culture, Vengeance without hope of reconciliation. So whether you're a Christian or not, if modern secularism is ultimately the way you make sense of this world, you are ill-equipped to deal with the evil injustice in our midst. Your your ability to point out injustice is, uh, in the end, an outpouring of your personal preference. And if you fight against evil and wrong, you know, I'll, I'll be grateful. But real talk, you're asserting the tyranny of your own opinion. And that's it. And that's it. But Christianity is different. Because the forgiveness found in Jesus isn't about sustaining this myth about our supposed goodness that history again and again flatly contradicts. It's about being found in the love of God that gives us the courage and humility to admit we're a big part of the problem. So big, in fact, that the Son of God had to come into this world and die for us. Evil in our world isn't a surprise to us because we admit sin is real and in our lives and we desperately need help from the outside, from Jesus who calls us to live into real forgiveness, which involves the honesty and integrity of repentance. Now do you begin to understand? As Desmond Tutu recognizes, it is clear that if we look only to retributive justice, then we could just as well close up shop. Forgiveness is not some nebulous thing. It's practical politics. Without forgiveness... There is no future. Church, let me end with words by National Indigenous Anglican Archbishop Mark MacDonald. I once heard someone say that Jesus who died on the cross also died in the Holocaust. If that is true, they will find him among those children. But we who have seen him die on the cross and suffer with us know that this is not the end of the story. He came back to us whole and sound in a resurrection body from the world to come. A world that he said we could start living in now through love, through prayers, through the sacred circle, and through his body and blood. His justice, his truth, his love is walking in us and through us toward that day and we have seen it, it will rise, is rising with those children and with a truth that could not be hidden. That's absolutely right. Let's pray. Oh dear God, we come before you with heavy hearts, once again being shown how broken this world is. And God, we no longer want to hide or equivocate or pretend that we're not part of the problem. We, can, we come to you asking for forgiveness. Asking to be helped by your Holy Spirit to be agents of love and peace and reconciliation in this world. Help us to do that, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.